Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. If you want to get in touch with the show, email us at IllegalMotionPodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Illegal underscore Motion. Thanks for downloading. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Los Angeles, California, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And joining us, as always, from Nashville, Tennessee, a man who just finished up spring ball and is ready to get going into summer sessions, it's the coach, Corey Burton. What's up, guys? Uh, Excited to be back for another edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Man, I feel like it's been... uh, I feel like it's been so long since we last did a show, but it's as you really think about it, it's been a little while, but it, it feels like a lot longer than it actually has been. So mm-hmm. um, great to be great to be back and uh, great to be getting after it here. All right. And the third member of the Three Amigos in the Second City, Chicago, Illinois, a man who is willing to ditch the opera for a good Irish pub. It's <laughs> blogger, Josh Cook. Actually, we're at a German beer hall, but same. Yeah. Same amount of excitement. And I just have to say, Matt, you're you're really chipper tonight in light of some bad stuff going on in your sports world. Your Atlanta Braves. Yeah, uh, nine they were the worst team in baseball. 9-27. and 27, uh, Giving the fans in Hotlanta some great baseball with that 2-17 and 17 mark. Oh, yeah. And then this came across the wire earlier today. Your Buffalo Bills deciding to... Uh, Stink it up a little earlier than normal with uh, Shaq Lawson having shoulder surgery and Sammy Watkins breaking a bone in his foot. So Yeah, so our, our first-round pick uh, from this year and the guy we gave up last year's first-round pick to go up and get from the year before looks both like they're not going to be able to start the season. So mm-hmm. not looking good for Sexy Rexy. But yeah, it's, it's good thing Rex Ryan is about as good a coach as uh, Bill Belichick, right? Um, I think he is, um, he's a little bit closer to, uh, Charlie Weiss than he is Ooh. to Bill Belichick. So hey, you know what? Charlie Weiss does not have a single career NFL loss. Yes, uh, that is correct. However, <laughs> I think the university of Kansas would tell you otherwise about his coaching acumen. <laughs> So, um, well, today um, it is the culmination of our nicknames uh, series. We are going to be doing the top 10 overall nicknames from the Football Bowl subdivision. But first, um, we just want to talk about uh, one of the issues that have come up since we last last recorded, and that is the reinstatement of satellite camps by the NCAA. If you remember, they were a couple months ago, they would... Uh, were banned, and then Jim Harbaugh, among others, put up a big stink about it. And at the end of April, the NCAA rescinded the law that they had established, and uh, satellite camps are back in session. Jim Harbaugh obviously uh, taking most advantage of it because he is doing satellite camps not just in the south but in uh, but in the southern hemisphere. He's going to Australia, Samoa, Hawaii. He's going all over the map. So. Um, there's going to be – he's also got 25 other camps in 15 states. So um, I just want to talk with you guys a little bit tonight about what is um, – you know, how you guys feel about the whole satellite camp issue. So, uh, Josh, I'm going to throw it to you first. Uh, so, first of all, do you, are you for or against satellite camps? 
Uh, this is not very good, like, talk radio or podcast fodder, but they've been around for such a short amount of time, and such few schools have seemed to figure out a way to take advantage of it, that I'm in an I-don't-know camp. And I thought that they were banned for pretty dumb reasons to begin with, and pretty minor issues. And uh, frankly, schools in the Pac-12 and the SEC, where they have great weather, kind of, and trying to like close the border, and it seemed pretty selfish reasons. And it was bad that the NCAA kind of went on with these shallow reasons. And then it was even weirder that they reversed course, but... NCAA is a whole other story, but when the NCAA did backtrack, one of the things they said was they were going to do more research on it, and I think that is the end result for me, that we need to see if this pays any dividends down the line or not, because right now it's still so murky, in my opinion. Coach? Yeah, I mean, I I think they're getting into some dangerous territory here. Um, I like that uh, the NCAA is regulating a little bit and trying to kind of keep it calm. Uh, I think the 50-mile radius thing um, from their campus is, uh, is, is really good. Um, there's a loophole. There's always going to be loopholes. But, you know, for like a, a program like Tennessee, they can come into Nashville, which they are. They're going to have a camp um, that's hosted by Tennessee State University and the uh, University of Tennessee is going to be there. Um, I like the idea behind it. I like what it does for recruiting. I like the the exposure that it's going to get. And ultimately, I think it's good for the kids because I think when you have co-hosted camps like this, I think a lot of kids are going to turn out to TSU's campus to come to this camp thinking, I'm going to get looked at at Tennessee. Kids that never thought in a million years that they might get looked at by Tennessee and, and, and kids that you know, Tennessee never thought in a million years they would actually look at and consider are going to be right in front of the coaches and they don't have to go to campus. They don't have to go very far. It's more affordable for the kids. So I think overall it's a good idea. They just need to kind of figure out how to really make it to where it's not out of control. Yeah, and I think that, you know, regulating it is going to be the toughest thing, and this might even grow the gap between the haves and have-nots in college football. Um, because, I mean, think about a team like University of Michigan, they have almost unlimited resources, whereas um, if you go across the street to eastern Michigan, they're not going to have the same, nearly the same amount of resources available to have satellite camps, you know, wherever they want. So I think that, you know, where the money is coming from to fund these and who they require to be there is the other big concern that I would have. We talked earlier on the podcast about Michigan requiring their players to come to camps in Florida on spring break uh, at IMG Academy, I believe. And that is, I think that is a very, very uh, thin line that they're going to have to negotiate. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're getting into, into, into territory that you may not need to get into, and uh... – it's it's a slippery slope. I mean, I, I can see this thing getting way out of hand um, with uh, different loopholes and different things. And, you know, I think Jim Harbaugh is going to be the guy that's going to expose it all, to be honest with you. Definitely. Uh, Josh, uh, what, what are your thoughts on that in terms of, you know, funding and, you know, accessibility for all universities? Again, it's one of those things where it's in a vacuum. It's so – good because, oh, the kids get to see it, university. And, yeah, if you are 
you know, you're struggling to make ends meet or you can't take vacation time and your kid wants to see a university like Michigan, but you're living in South Carolina, it's hard to get to Ann Arbor. So yeah, on the one hand, it helps kids and there's logic behind that. But I think as we're already going to see, and we've seen a little bit with Michigan, I mean, what the hell is he doing going to like Australia and stuff? Makes no sense. And I I just, I'm hoping that we don't need to be cynical on this, but I feel like knowing the three of us, we are, we're rightfully skeptical. Uh, I believe that is indeed the case. Uh, Do you have any words to add to that coach? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I think it's a little bit ridiculous to go to Australia. I mean, you could probably, uh, you know, get the one or two players. You could probably find out about them somehow. Um, But uh, like I said, I I, I like the general idea about it. I would like to see more done. I feel like they just kind of slapped it together. And I would like like them to spend more time coming up with hard-set rules and making sure they address different loopholes because – you know, I think they should set a limit on how much presence you have. I think that that it'll be strategic for coaches. I think it'll be another element for head coaches to to uh, put their strategy into it as to where am I going to have my camps? You know, I'm only allowed I'm only allowed to host one camp, and I'm only allowed to be at a guest at three others. Where am I going to go? And and you got to kind of decide what footprints you want to hit. Do you want to hit your your major recruiting hotbed? Do you want to hit areas that, that you haven't hit before? Do you want to, you know, what's the strategy behind it? I think if you limit the number of camps that they can be a guest or host or both, I think that puts another element of strategy into it. I think that kind of tells you exactly what the, you know, it's, that's going to separate a coach's recruiting plan. I think if the NCAA was smart, that they would – require academic satellite camps as well, because this whole like argument about the kids who are really good at football, but they can't afford to see another campus. Well, how many kids in that high school don't play football, but can get into the university of Michigan academically, but will never get to go to see Ann Arbor. True. Be a little yeah, bit- that's a really good point, Josh. Um, I mean, but the thing is that, you know, if the money is coming from, let's say, donors, that's going to be uh, a really different sort of um, – that, that's going to be really uh, – that's going to be a very different sort of paradigm, I guess, than it would be um, if it's coming, like, directly from the university or even the athletic department itself. So, um, obviously, that's going to be up to the NCAA and its board of governors to figure out, um, you know, going forward. But, well, we're going to jump here from satellite camps to um, our, our ultimate top ten. So, but before we begin, Josh, I know you have a quick bottom ten that you want to give out for us. Yeah, I, uh, I put in a little bit of extra credit time on my own and made a bottom ten list because I thought we were going to do both. But um, whatever, it is what it is. I have a feeling we'll agree on a lot of these, though, maybe not the exact order. But this is what I came up with. A couple honorable mentions, Cardinals, Owls, Bulls, and I'm not a huge fan of Alabama Tulane having a color with some water. Those were my honorable mentions. My bottom ten were the Bulldogs, the Tigers, the Wildcats, the Aggies, Golden Hurricanes, and number five, Red Wolves. And then the four worst, 
Zips, Golden Flashes, Red Hawks, Warhawks. You don't like Ooh. the Hawks, do you? Nah. Nah. Well, All right. well I'll, I'll um, say this. I'll, I'll add to that. Um, if your nickname is Tigers, nickname is Wildcats, that should pretty much cover my bottom ten. I'll give uh, I'll give special shout outs to uh, random color and random bird mixed together, um, and uh, we'll just leave it at that. So I have kind of like my bottom feeders group. I can't really rank them because they're all bad. They're all unoriginal. Uh, Bulldogs is in there as well. So uh, let's just leave it at that. All right. Well, Josh, you're going to kick us off. Well, who is your ten, uh, number 10 to, uh, on the top 10? All right. Well, I'm going to give just a couple quick honorable mentions as well. These just missed the cut. Uh, this is in no particular order, but the Minutemen is great. Chippewas is great. Blazers I love. Uh, Thundering Herd Aztecs as a, kind of sniffing around. And uh, the Sooners and the Gators were also all sniffing around but just couldn't quite get there. But my number 10, and Coach is not going to enjoy this, but uh, I love the Yellow Jackets. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, um, I, I think, albeit it's a, it's a good nickname, I just I can't get behind it. I just can't do it. I can't, can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Um, but my honorable mentions um, – I agree with absolutely most of them. Uh, a couple of them actually made it in my top ten. Uh, I'm going to go with my number ten. I'm going to say uh, – I'm going to go with the Aztecs of San Diego State. I think it's, you know, for the reasons I said when we uh, took a look at the took a look at the Mountain West, um, it's a very cool nickname. Um, very unique, very cool, very reference to a uh, – to something pretty cool. So, uh, I like it. It's number ten. All right. Um, well, uh, the Blazers and the Aztecs also made um, my uh, you know honorable mentions, but my number ten comes uh, from uh, uh, comes from the Old Dominion Monarchs. Ooh, um, nice. I'm a big fan of just you know their entire you know Old Dominion. Like I said before, obviously has a sort of very regal tone to it. Monarchs is the perfect sort of uh, cap on that. So I, I, you know, I'm a big fan. One of the newer teams in FBS, but uh, you know, going strong there. So number nine, Josh. Well, keeping with unique animals, uh, although yellow jacket is more of an insect, obviously. But uh, I'm gonna go on down to Texas Christian University with the horned frogs. Excellent, Coach. Ooh, um, I'm gonna go. It's a tie between. Two extremely tough individuals, um, the Miners and the Pirates. I couldn't decide. I'm, I'm going to flip a coin here. All right, uh, uh, you know, for you know the reasons I, I like both of these, but I'm going to go co number nines, uh, the Miners and the Pirates. So let's see who wins the tiebreaker. All right, we're going to do a live coin flip. Um, here we go, uh, flipping the coin now. Uh, Miners. Miners is my number nine team. Pirates, you go to the honorable mention list. So the UTEP Miners are my number nine team. All right. Um, I have the Chippewas of Central Michigan at number nine. Nice. Josh, you had them, I think, on your honorable mentions. I did. Um, they are the only Native American team, uh, you know, Native American tribe name that I have in my top ten. I think that it is uh, – I think it's the best of the best when it, come, when it comes to that. 
So, um, and I'm going to, I'm going to leave it at that. Hmm. All right. Well, my number eight, unique, badass animal, but an even more fun word to say. And you know, you know, I have to respect the nickname if I'm going to go on down to uh, where Bert Bellama is doing some coaching, but Razorbacks just just sounds so good. It is a good one. It is a good one, Coach. That gummit. <laughs> Razorbacks. Josh, you and I, I think I'm cheating off of you right now. Razorbacks, man, it's just so cool. Just a very fierce-sounding animal. I uh, can't go wrong there. I like the Razorbacks here. Yeah, Ra- Razorbacks is a really good one. I've got the Vandals of the University of Idaho coming in at number Ooh, eight. Coming in, coming in hot from Moscow. Nice. Coming in hot from Moscow, just across, uh, just across the border from Pullman. Um, where one of the more boring mascots, cougars, lives. So um, it's nice that you can go 20 miles and find a, find a good one if you're at Washington State. Um, you know, obviously the Vandals sacked Rome. They have a, a, a great, fantastic history. Um, you know, just a whole sort of outlaw persona going along with it. Just Yeah, I love it. I really love it. Well, Idaho may have been booted from the Sun Belt, but they did have a – a wonderfully short-lived rivalry with my number seven team. That is the Raging Cajuns. I love it. It's unique. It rolls off the tongue. It even somewhat rhymes a little bit. The one reason I couldn't go any higher than seven is it's, despite being geographically relevant, like it is a pinch cartoonish and the top six just either have more history with the state or are just so unique and so cool that I couldn't go any higher as much as I love Louisiana Lafayette's uh, nickname. Josh, they were in my honorable mention list, but my next team here um, is going to be the Sun Devils. All right, I think it's, uh, I think it's a very unique take on, on, the, on the Devils. Uh, I think it's uh, really relevant to the area, um, the desert, sun devils, you know, just you can imagine the, the force of the sun just beating down on you in the form of a little devil with a pitchfork just jabbing you and causing you pain. So um, I really like sun devils. I really like what they've done with their logos. Uh, the pitchfork kind of does it for me. I know that's kind of a uh, – I, I know we're not looking at logos. I know we're not looking at mascots, but um, – it kind of serves as a tiebreaker for me uh, to some of these honorable mentions that I had. So I'm going to go with the Sun Devils here. All right. Um, coming in for me, uh, Josh is going to be a little disappointed. It's the Hawkeyes. Um, you know, they, they came in uh, for me at uh, number three in the Big Ten. So you can imagine the other two that I have ahead of them. But, you know, I, I know Josh will probably have them up there as number one. But so I'll let him extol their virtues when he gets there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's – how many football teams are what we up to? Feels like there's always a bunch of random FCS team that join us. But, uh, well, you're gonna not like this one, Matt, because you did not enjoy it when we did the SEC. But I got the UT Volunteers number six. All right, Coach. Uh, I had the Hawkeyes right here. Um, you know, Matt. I, I think that uh, a lot of things of what you said and Josh, which you're probably gonna say later. Um, is going to take care of it for me. Uh, I really like that name. It's a, it's a it's a fun one. It's a it's a 
unique name. And, and really the tiebreaker kind of goes to the fact that in Kinnick Stadium, they paint the, the, uh, the visitor's locker room a Pepto-Bismol pink. <laughs> uh-huh. And, and uh, that kind of that, – that's really cool. And if we talk about stadiums, you know, uh, Iowa Stadium, uh, for that reason, is going to be probably in my overall top ten. But, you know, I think that they just do a good job with the, with the logo. They do a good job with the mascot. And I think they kind of just – it's a very unique name. Rolls off the tongue. Sounds very tough. Sounds very like, man, we're playing the Hawkeyes tonight, man. This is going to be tough. Yeah, and you know, nice little bonus is uh, Hawkeye Pierce from MASH. So great, yeah. <laughs> the great television characters of all time. So uh, yeah. my number six is uh, the aforementioned Raging Cajuns of Louisiana Lafayette. Um, didn't quite crack the top five. Josh, I think you, uh, you know, you, you spoke to them a little bit earlier, so I can uh, skip over that and we can jump into your top five. Numero Cinco. We just opened the pod talking about them quite a bit. That is Jim Harbaugh's Wolverines. This is a badass animal. No other team in the country has it. If anyone did, they would be completely ripping off Michigan. It rolls off the tongue. It It's just such a fun word to say. And like I said, it's an awesome animal. Definitely. Coach? I'm going to go with the uh, Tennessee Volunteers here. Uh, extremely relevant to the state. Um, you know, the, the, the logo is Davy Crockett. Uh, it's, it's very culturally relevant here. Um, the colors are atrocious. Uh, I'll, that's probably why they're not higher. Um, but it's very unique. Very relevant, um, and uh, there's no other volunteers around. So, you know, I'll have to – this Tennessee, don't get used to this. I'm not going to give you too much praise here going forward, but um, I'm going to give you some props on your nickname. Oh, so, Rocky Top, Rocky Top, Tennessee. Well, they, they don't pay no telephone bills out there. Uh, somewhere where there might not even be telephones uh, in, the, in the desert of Texas, and that's where you're going to find number five, the Horned Frogs of TCU. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, one of the, I would argue, potentially the most original, uh, the most original nickname um, around. So, and, you know, love their color scheme. Horn Frogs, just, uh, it works. It works all the way around. Let's hear your forecast. Well, I had so much fun with Michigan. I'm going to stay in the Big Ten and go right on over to Madison with the Badgers. Awesome animal. Makes for a great logo, makes for a great mascot, but also has the state heritage because in addition to Badgers living in Wisconsin, it also ties to a nickname that Miners had when it was still a part of the territory and all that. Lots of lots of history tied up for Wisconsin, also known as the Badger State. So UW. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm going uh with my next selection, I'm going to the Tar Heels of North Carolina. Good Civil War reference here. A good color scheme. Uh, Ramsey's is a good mascot. I know I'm breaking every single rule in this top ten list, but I don't care. I'm the coach. I can do whatever I want. Um, I like the Tar Heels here. Uh, very unique, very culturally relevant, uh, very relevant to the region um, which it, in the state of which it uh lives in so Tar Heels is my next team yeah Tar Heels one of my uh, honorable mentions I'm saying the same state as you coach uh just going up to Wake Forest for the Demon Deacons a uh, real strong contender I know it's a favorite of Josh's uh Demon Deacons obviously uh the oxymoronic quality of it is just puts it over the top for me 
So, all right, Josh, bronze medal position. Well, you've all been waiting for me to talk about it, so here's where I have the Hawkeyes, number three. Uh, Based on a literary character, not too many schools have that. The literary character became a nickname for the state because the book was so popular when Iowa became a territory. They thought it'd be kind of a cool marketing gimmick, a newspaper in Burlington, Iowa, did that. The name has stuck. We're the Hawkeye State. The flagship university is the Hawkeyes. Uh, there's just so much history, and both of you guys have said how unique it is, and it really is. I mean, yeah, sometimes we get that annoying cheer of what's a Hawkeye, but once you do a little bit of a whopping five-minute Wikipedia search, you really see how cool and unique a nickname it is. Coach? All right, number three. I had a hard time with my top three of how to order them. Uh, I'm going to go with the Hilltoppers, Western Kentucky. Uh, you know, just it's extremely unique. It's, extreme, it's relevant to the region because they sit in the, uh, in, in the Appalachian Mountains there. Um, the Hilltoppers really like it. Uh, we explained it in depth in detail when we did the, uh, the All-American podcast for uh, Conference USA and American Conference. So uh, I like the Hilltoppers here. Um, they're my number three. All right. Uh, my number three is the aforementioned Wolverines of the University of Michigan. Ferocious animal and uh, just, uh, you know, great, great mascot all around. Number two. Well, just rewind the podcast about 10 minutes and listen to everything Coach said about the ASU Sun Devils. And that is the reason I have them at number two. All right, Coach. All right. I like the Demon Deacons here at number two, Matt. Uh, you you said it the best. Uh, you put it the best. I can't really top what you said, but, you know, I like the uh, – again, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I agree with most with the oxymoronic uh, aspect of it, Demon Deacons. I also like the alliteration in it, um, and I also like that, uh, you know, it's it's a very unique take on putting an adjective – and a, and, a, and a noun, and the noun is very unique in and of itself. If they were just the deacons, it would still be cool, but they're the demon deacons. You throw that demonic adjective in there, and, and, and it adds adds more flavor to it. So um, it gets some love, even though uh, they're a basketball school. Um, you know, we're talking about them on the College Football Podcast. This is probably as much love as they're going to get, so I guess they better uh, soak it up and, and take it. Hopefully they're – football program will improve so we can uh, reference them a lot more often. All right. I've got my beloved Badgers at number two for all the reasons that Josh already mentioned. So I don't really need to go over it again. And I'll throw it to you, Josh, for the numero uno. Numero uno. Well, I am going to raise a glass of the finest red ruddy, the Rhenish filled up to the brew, which is part of the lyrics to the University of Wake Forest's fight song, Give Me the Demon Beacons. You guys have already talked about it. The alliteration is awesome. The fact that it's demon and deacons, it's just, oh, it's amazing. Coach? Well, you guys referenced this uh, this very unique animal earlier. Um, I like them as number one. It is the most unique name out there, uh, the horned frogs. Uh, you guys just summed it up so brilliantly. I love it. Uh, I, I, I just... 
I can't even – I could sit here and we could spend a whole podcast on, on why the Horned Frogs nickname is, is really good. But I'm not going to bore you guys to death. So you guys explained it. Just go ahead and rewind it if you uh, to listen to Matt and Josh's explanation of why they picked the Horned Frogs, um, and that's why I picked them for number one. Well, my number one did not make either of your top tens, which is kind of surprising. I've got the midshipmen of Navy. Boop. Um, the middies. I mean, it's the – the best nickname for any of the armed forces schools. It is a you know uniquely naval term for the naval academy. It just it, it works all around for me. Oh man, I completely overlooked the middies. I, I'm not I'm not gonna lie. I can't lie to you. I completely breezed right past them. All right. Well, um, that is that's gonna be it, guys. Well, wow, we ended we ended on such a downer. You making us look like an idiot, Matt. Yeah. Well, what can what can I say? I have to make up for my Eagles guffaw. So um, uh, obviously, it would not be a nickname spot if we didn't mention the lumberjacks of Stephen F. Austin. So I yeah, I wanted to run through my list jacks. of honorable mentions. Yeah, the lumberjacks, the uh, the lady texters, uh, the, the commodores. Uh, the Minutemen, the Blue Raiders, the Blazers, Monarchs, Miners, uh, no Pirates, I mean, uh, Roadrunners, Chippewas, Vandals, Raging Cages, and Thundering Herd were all right there as code number 10, uh, right there on the, on the cusp of it, but just didn't quite make that push. All right. Well, uh, that's going to wrap it up for us tonight, guys. Short pod tonight. But um, we will be back at you with some hard-hitting college football action uh, soon. So uh, keep your eyes and ears open for us on your iTunes feed, on Stitcher. And uh, this is Matt Perkins on behalf of the coach, Corey Burton, and Josh saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Yeah! Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20.